You know, who knows that God has a way of getting through to you? That he has a way of pushing your buttons. About two months ago, I woke up in the morning with that phrase going through my mind, you're not a camel. <laughs> and I'm going, what? What, Lord? You're not a camel. So I left it at that for a wee while, and I went through. I got up, get shaved, get washed, and went through and made the breakfast. Did you hear that, guys? <laughs> I made the breakfast. Is there any reason my wife thinks I'm wonderful? <laughs> Her and my grandchildren and God know that I'm wonderful, or they believe I'm wonderful. And God believes you're wonderful as well. But while I was making the breakfast, it came to me again, you're not a camel. I said, okay, Father, what do you mean? She said, well, think about it. It's this impression that goes through your mind. You know, God's got a sense of humor. And uh, he says, you're not a camel. And I say, okay, Lord, what do you mean? And he said, think about, think about what a camel's like. What are they good at? I thought, well, they're good at spitting. <laughs> and God says, you're such a boy. And I said, Father, you made me. <laughs> but then he says, no, think about it seriously. What's camels good at? Well, I thought, camels are good at going through the desert. And they can go through the desert for a long time without needing to drink, without needing to refresh themselves. And camels are capable of surviving between a week to 10 days without water. And when I realized that, God said to me, then you're not. You're not capable of surviving within a week and 10 days without water. You need hydrated daily. And he said, as in the physical, so in the spiritual. You need to come every day. You need to set a time every day. And you need to come into my presence and you need to drink, and you need to refresh yourself. You need to keep yourself hydrated. And our text this morning is Isaiah 40, 44 and 3, and we're going, it's a New Living Translation. For I will pour out water to quench your thirst, and to irrigate your parched fields, and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your children. And when I think about the word thirsty, I wonder about the different degrees of that word thirsty. There's kind of thirsty, there's really thirsty, and there's desperately in need of hydration thirsty. And we've all been there, especially when you're kids. I mean, we get so thirsty, the thought we thought we were going to die and we needed something to drink because we've been out playing all day, we'd been running, we'd been playing football, we're doing all these things, we need a drink, so we're desperately thirsty. Then finally, having our thirst quenched until we said, enough is enough. You know that way when you're running about and your stomach's going, bloop, bloop, bloop? That's when you've had enough. And we all knew what exactly we were thirsty for when we were kids, and it wasn't water. It was probably, in my day, it was probably some diluting juice. 
There's Coca-Cola or Pepsi-Cola or all these other drinks nowadays, but Coca-Cola in our day was something you got every now and again. It wasn't every day. It wasn't, certainly wasn't every week either. So it was water or plain old juice. But we have a luxury in life nowadays that we didn't have back then. Our appetite for our desires, we've got a much greater choice nowadays. We've got a greater choice to be specific with everything that we pursue. What are you pursuing this morning? Some people pursue fame and fortune. Some people pursue careers. And other people, it might be music or sports. But you know, everyone thirsts for something. And why is it that a lot of time people don't thirst for more of God? That's what we should be thirsting for. That's what we should be setting time aside for. Because remember, you're not camel. You can't go a length of time without being hydrated. And you can't go a length of time without coming into his presence and drinking there and drinking in his presence and be hydrated. You need to come to the source and you need to drink. If we've got God's favor and blessing in our life, it accelerates our pursuit of all other thirsts and desires for good things like nothing else can. So why don't we start each day with the one who makes all things possible to come to the source, set a time aside and come to the source and hydrate, spiritually hydrate, drink him in, drink his purpose in, drink his presence in. You know, human nature loves recognition. And the thing is, whose recognition do we desire more of? Is it God's recognition or is it man's recognition? And we all know about King David. And King David was a man after God's own heart. But why did God love him so much that God had said those words about him? And they're recorded in Scripture. You see, David was a frail man just like, like the rest of us. And I think that's why in Scripture I can identify with King David. Because he was a normal man, but he had a heart that sought God. And one thing about a pursuit, about pursuing something is God loves being pursued. We know that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And David sought the things of God his whole life. The Bible records David's victories one after another. David had an amazing relationship with God. Psalm 27, 46, and this is the message. I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. That's the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world. The perfect getaway from the buzz of traffic. God holds me head and shoulders above all who try to pull me down. I'm headed for his place to offer anthems that will raise the roof. Already I'm singing God's songs. I'm making music to God. 
Isn't that wonderful? Is that what was on your mind this morning as you were driving towards church? Were you ready to raise the roof and praise to God? Did you come with making music and your mind to God when you drove to church? If not, why not? It should be the number one thing in your mind when you come into the house of God. Here's David's advice for quenching your thirst. Psalm 63, verse 1 to 4, and this is this time the New King James Version. Well, I'm no, I'm no all a Philistine. I'll use the King James <laughs> Version at times. So, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. That's great advice, isn't it? It's fabulous advice. But that's advice from a giant slayer. That's wonderful advice for the morning. If you're going to seek out advice from someone for what they've done in their life, it's always better to seek advice from someone who has been battle-tested and been victorious. You know, we take advice from all sorts of people at times. And I, I like going to junior football sometimes. And I love the comments that come from the terrace and you know, you get a really good laugh at times from what some people say. And you've got people there that would give advice to players in the park. And I thought about that because it's when I go to junior football, it's the best junior football club ever. It's all like Talbot. The team that's won everything over and over and over again. And these guys are shouting at the players who've won every medal possible several times. And they're giving them advice and how they should play football. And, you know, I look at them and I thought, I know you. <laughs> you couldn't get into the school team when I was there. <laughs> and these are the guys that would try and give these footballers advice. Take advice from someone who has been battle-tested and has been victorious. Take advice from King David, from the Word of God. You see, David was a lifelong seeker of God. He never stopped thirsting in his quest of pursuing his relationship with the way maker. You see, David knew he wasn't a camel. David knew that he had to come into God's presence every day. And spiritually, he had to rehydrate himself. And you know, God always made a way for him. And God is willing to do the same for you. David knew where to find God. It wasn't out in the world. It wasn't in a dry and thirsty land. It was in the intimacy of worship he found what his soul needed. It was there that he was nourished and found that God's power and glory could be experienced firsthand. You don't need a preacher to help you experience that. You can experience it firsthand. You can come into his presence and be aware that his presence is there and just be quenched, be fed and quench your thirst in his presence. David came to the source 
for what he needed for the day and for his life. And you know, David spent his whole life in the desperately thirsting category, constantly, constantly seeking after the things of God. And to me, it makes perfect sense why God wanted the world to know the kind of relationship that he had with David. We should all be striving to have that kind of relationship, or even better, with our maker. And we can, you know, we can. We have the same opportunity that David did. And God's not a respecter of persons. The thing that God does respect and reward is diligence. Diligence in the pursuit and thirst of a relationship with him. Psalm 23 and 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What he did for David, he will certainly do for anyone who desperately seeks after him. Are you a pursuer this morning? Are you a seeker after God this morning? Don't come to the church to just be an observer. Come to the house of God to drink of his living water and have your thirst quenched. He did it for the woman with the issue of blood. In Mark 5, 25 and 29, again the message, a woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years, a long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly, taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before. She'd heard about Jesus. She slipped in from behind and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can put a finger in his robe, I'll get well. The moment she did it, the flow of blood dried up. She could feel the change and she knew her plague was over and done with. Twelve years. Twelve years have been treated badly. Twelve years of physicians milking her for all the money that she had. And they took all her money. And she could have given up. I Means she'd tried everything under the sun, but to no avail. But she knew if I could just touch him, if I could just even touch the Hemi's garment, then I'll be well. She had been aggressive, to say the least, in her pursuit to wellness. But it wasn't until she quit focusing on what she was capable of, all her money, etc., and she became desperate for what Jesus was capable of. Did she find relief from her condition? She not only saw relief, she saw complete wellness, healing, and restoration. Her faith had moved Jesus to heal her. It wasn't her condition, though it was bad. And we would put our condition before God and we'd say, God, do you see this? Lord, you must, you must want to heal me. It wasn't our pleading. It wasn't that that moved her, moved God, moved Jesus. It was faith. She came to the source. source. She had faith to come to the source. You know, it's easy to get distracted by circumstances, both personal and of the world. But the only thing that matters is what, not what we can do for ourselves or what the world has to offer, but what God can do in our lives when we seek him with all we have. In every situation, rely on his unmerited favor for everything in and around our lives. 
Paul the Apostle learned that lesson almost better than anyone. In Philippians 3, 79, <coughs> excuse me, the very credentials these people are waving around is something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. Along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus and my master firsthand, everything I thought I had going for me is insignificant dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. And this is the unending grace that still flows from that sacrifice and Calvary's cross. All three examples that I've shared with you this morning have been individuals that were willing to use their faith to desperately seek after God and were rewarded by doing so. Let's read our text again. For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. Water represents the spirit of God. If you're thirsty for God, God will pour out his spirit on you. Only then will you experience personal revival and the presence of God's blessing, power, and anointing. Matthew 5 and 6 says, Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Not only that, it's going to be evident to everyone around you. It will be like someone turned on a light in a dimly lit room. People will be saying, I don't know what happened to so-and-so, but whatever happened to them, Lord, let the same thing happen to me. Thirst after the righteousness of God, and he will let it happen to you. If you don't hold anything back of yourself, neither will he. You see, God is not in the withholding business, and we shouldn't be in the withholding business either. We should be in the praising business. If you're looking to get God's attention to what your need is and have your, need, your needs met, then sing his praise. Praise him. That's where we start. When we have a need, we praise him. We praise him for his goodness in our life. We praise him for his blessings. We, pr we praise him for everything he's done for us. But when you're ready to come out of your need, we need to do that. I would encourage you to lift up your voice, your thirst, and your desire, and sing. We used to sing a chorus years ago, and I'm, it, it pains to, to quote choruses sometimes because sometimes people feel we need to sing them or we need to listen to them. They had some great words in the old choruses, but they're old choruses and they're from the past, and sometimes they're better left in the past because they were for that time. And for now, but we used to sing a chorus, having said all that, put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, lift up your voice to God, praise with the spirit and with understanding, oh, magnify the Lord. We need to begin our praise for our needs to be blessed. God is in the blessing business, so we need to bless him. We should bless him. God's favor 
is all, it's all encompassing. And I imagine God's favor when I hear it's all encompassing. I remember there's a big, I, I imagine there's a big bubble right round about me and I'm inside this bubble and that's God's blessing and favor all round about me. And we need to revel in it. We need to walk in it and cherish it. We need to inhabit it and realize what God's favor wants to do for us. Three, third John, two and four. My beloved friend, I pray that everything is going well for you and that your body is as healthy as your soul is, as your soul is prosperous. I was thrilled when the brothers and sisters came and told me stories of your faithfulness as you continue to walk in the truth. The greatest joy in my life is hearing how my children are walking in the truth. These are the inspired words of God that Paul wrote down. And God truly delights and then it gives him great joy when we walk in his truth and pursue a relationship with him. Some facts about water. Water is sometimes known as the source of life and of vital importance to humans as well as for the rest of living beings. The human body is almost two-thirds of water, making it its main component. So water is our main component. In order to, pardon me, in order to ensure the proper function of organs, it is very important to keep it hydrated at all times. The body absorbs cold water faster than hot water. By the time you're 70 years old, you'll have consumed around 11,000 gallons of water. Oh, that's a big drink. <laughs> 11,000 gallons of water, and that's not including the water that you washed in. If you lose 2% of your body's water supply, your energy will decrease by 20%. A 10% decrease in water in your body, you'll be unable to walk and a 20% decrease, <clears throat> you're dead. How much more important is the living water that Jesus has given us to partake of and to drink of? <coughs> Excuse me. Thirst for the things of God. If you give a little of yourself, God will give you more of himself. If you give a lot of yourself to God, God will give a lot more of himself to you. You need to let him quench your thirst. He will do the things in your life that you've never dreamed of. And if you remember anything from today, it's this. Remember, you're not a camel. Amen. Amen. <laughs>